Welcome back to the Talking Stocks podcast. We're here on this beautiful Friday, Todd and Joe. We're going to get started by just giving you a quick uh, election recap from a market perspective. Obviously, we're no, we're no politics podcast. The thing that I found really interesting was on, on Wednesday, so two days ago, when we didn't really have much of an answer as to who was going to win, the market was soaring. So, Todd, I'm, I'm interested to, to hear why you think that is. Hey, Joe, how are you doing this week? Doing well, thanks. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a little bit. Some, some, some things are going on in the world, Joe. Some, some, some things, happen, things. To be, <laughs> happen to be happening. If, and, and, and you're probably aware of it, listeners, um, that yes, there was this thing called a presidential election this week. And, um, you know, Joe, you and I on the show a few weeks ago, we tried to encourage everybody to uh, avoid the risk of extrapolating their political bias towards a potential market event or market outcome. Um, I, I don't, you know, historically that hasn't been smart. And I think what we're seeing yet again this year is why you really, you need to keep your politics and your investing in separate buckets. Um, because oftentimes, you know, just when you think you figured it out, right? In your mind, you figured it out. The market's going to do something completely surprising to you, right? Because the market doesn't care about your politics. And to your point, which was simply on Wednesday, with more confusion theoretically uh, and less clarity, we saw the market go up substantially and then saw it go up again substantially yesterday. And, you know, it's like, what the heck? Right. It makes to, to an uninformed, you know, news watcher, whether you're watching CNBC or cable news or you're just reading up on Twitter, it seems very, very out of context. But one of, one of the things I read, I believe it was from Axios earlier, earlier this week, it was probably on Wednesday, was an article saying that basically the reason why the markets are, are going up is because now it's clear that there's not going to be a, um, a clear majority either way in like the House and Senate combined. So originally, like going into election day, it seemed almost obvious that Democrats were going to take control of the House, the Senate, and the presidency. Now, from like a, a progress change perspective, you know, from a political perspective, that's, that's great. Lots of things are going to get done. Turns out the markets don't really like that. They actually like gridlock because it means that less change is going to occur. I found that just fascinating, and it makes total sense. It makes total sense, absolutely. When you have you know, the Congress controlled by one party and the presidency controlled by another, you, you have to um, negotiate. And in negotiating, you end up moving towards the middle and you avoid these things could be completely disruptive to particular industries. So I think that that is exactly why the markets have run. I mean, we talked about how you have the uncertainty of, okay, the election is coming up. That was last week. Oh, the election's gonna come up. What is that gonna mean? And sure enough, markets sold off. People were you know, getting rid of their stocks because they were concerned about you know, that uncertainty and maybe doing some of the extrapolation that we'd prefer people don't do onto what could happen or could not happen. And then once that election day happens, you take a step towards clarity, right? So it's all, it's, it's what is, you know, are you, going, are you going towards uncertainty or are you going more towards clarity? And I think that the, what the market is telling you this week is that 
at post-election, we're getting more towards clarity because every day more votes are getting countered. You're getting closer to eventually, even if it's a contested outcome, you're getting, you're getting closer towards that outcome. And since markets are discounting mechanisms that are looking for many months, they're saying, yes, at some point we are going to have the president, a president, and at some point we are going to have what appears to be, um, you know, that kind of gridlock kind of environment, which is typically pretty good for, for businesses. So now you're looking at that and you're saying, okay, well, if I assume that I don't have to worry about that mercurial nature of tweet storms or something that could move <laughs> me crazily up and down or whatever, and now we get back to more of a just we'll call it a pre-2016 more status quo kind of environment. Okay, well, let's, let's focus on what we should be focusing on, which is the businesses, right? Exactly. Businesses that we're co-owners in, right? So now you're saying, okay, I'm getting back to thinking about what revenue growth could look like, how it's a direction of operating margins, how, is, how, is our, how are earnings going to look between you know, 2020 and 2021? And yeah, yes, there is this whole big COVID overhang out there, but I think that most people are, say, are looking at it and saying, okay, we get an outcome, eventually we get some sort of a stimulus, and most likely, most likely, a blanket federal, everybody's shut down, is not on the table. That's, that, that seems to be what the market is, to me, saying. Yes, I, I agree with that. And it seems like, uh, from, from what I've read from kind of insiders this week, it's they're they're optimistic that there will be a stimulus now it's pretty clear that's not going to happen until after january 20th but it seems like you know on on and after inauguration day things are really going to start moving towards that that next stimulus and obviously that is that is great news for just about just about everybody whether it be the companies themselves or you know us us recording the podcast and whoever's listening yeah, and I mean, I suppose you could make the argument, you saw this a little bit, you saw this big rally out of tech, uh, big sell-off in technology last week. Um, our, our sector ranking actually forecast that a few weeks ago, technology sliding down the ranking. We saw that sell-off. We saw other groups, more defensive groups, and we saw financials, which had been ignored, kind of percolating up, and maybe it was on the idea that, well, if you did get either a red wave or a blue wave, maybe that means stimulus could happen before January 20th, and that would actually help the banks a little bit more with delinquency rates and, and default rates. We did, once we found out more leading towards uh, a Biden presidency and gridlock, uh, we did see those financials sell in the uh, sell off the last, well, two days ago, technology started to take off, but financials started to bounce back again yesterday. And last I looked today, they started, they were still doing high, going a little bit higher. Um, so, you know, one of the things that I would say for investors as you're trying to figure out, okay, how do I want to position as we're moving into 2021, I think that as long as that stimulus is out there as a potential, um, it's worth taking a shot on owning some of the financials. Um, if you look at our research right now, insurers and regional banks would be the two places that I would focus on there. Uh, one name I would give out there is Travelers, high-scoring stocks, symbols TRV. It's a property and casualty insurer. Uh, and then in the regional banks, maybe you look at something like Bank South or Amaris, so BXS, or uh, I think it's ACBC, something like that, for Amaris. Um, those two are both uh, high-scoring in our work. We can check, take a look at some charts in a few minutes, too, as well, Joe. Um, you know, so, so, yeah, I mean, I think that that's kind of where everybody is right now. They're saying, okay, well, how do I position from here on out? And I think there's some, there's, there's some really good opportunities. Um, but, yeah, whenever you want, we can, we can look at chart. We can do whatever you want, Joe. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Let's, um, let's dive in. Since you, since you gave us a, a good segue, let's, let's start with, let's start with banks. So you want to, you want to bring up a, a chart or two of those regional banks? Yep. Um, in order to do that, Joe, I'm going to need you to enable my sharing. Ah, so yes. Good old Zoom. Talk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just want to do it. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, I think that what you're going to find um, is that, yeah, here we go. I'll say, um, yep. Yep, we're good. So those are going to come up. So again, if you're on the podcast, we do also post these to YouTube. So you can see the charts. If you want to go onto the YouTube, you can see it. Uh, if not, you know, as always, we'll do our best to, to walk you through it as we do every week. Um, this, this chart that's on the screen right now is just simply the S&P 500 ETF, the SPY. And I just want to pull this up so you can see how interestingly we came down to that September level. We rallied back up a little bit lower than that prior peak. Uh, in August, the end of August, sell back down until the beginning of the month and then rally back off. And what's interesting there, Joe, is that, you know, I, I was saying, I think it was back in here, I was saying, I wouldn't be surprised. I was, I was actually investing a little bit of my own money as we were coming down here. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if we undercut 320 again. We didn't actually, we did not in undercut the 320. I, I, I said, I wouldn't be surprised by it, but it looks like we held above it. And, um, you know, we rallied back up and now we're coming back up into this level again. And I, I think that from an investing standpoint, just from a macro view, because again, two thirds of stocks, three quarters of stocks are going to move how the market moves. It is important to take, take a look every once in a while because it can tell you, okay, you know, are the odds more tilted toward fear or greed? You know, is it better for me to, to press bets and take things? Um, I would say that if you, if you weren't a buyer in here, right around here, maybe sit on your hands a little bit, see how we do up here and see whether or not we can either bust out to new highs, which is what I think will end up happening, or where we end up uh, rolling back down. But right now I'm modeling for a breakout, eventual breakout to new highs. And then if you don't want to look from a market perspective, we talk on a stock perspective, you know, let me just pull up that regional bank ETF. The KRE is the one I'm looking at. And you can see here, Joe, we got that three day ago, big drop. And then we had that bounce back here and i think we have here is we have an opportunity you know i think you can control your risk you can say okay you know we get down here maybe i get rid of it uh otherwise i'm going to hold on to it and if you look at the individual stocks maybe um like i said Am amaris abcb is one you've got some decent earnings growth despite headwinds some decent top line revenue growth and another one would be uh, bank south bxs was the other one that I want to mention. All right. Very well. So moving on, um, as you know, we might not want to admit it, but let's face it, Christmas is coming. And we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago, I believe it was, we talked about like the, <clears throat> excuse me, we talked about the toy companies and some other retailers. And so one of the, one of the, um, one of the things I wanted to hone in on this week are the the big retailers so target and walmart kind of target versus walmart right and we we've established that target has been scoring higher than walmart a little bit both are both are pretty bullish but i would say target's very bullish walmart's just plain bullish but i know that you have uh kind of a, a wild card a third option here that might be better than those two yeah, you know, Target is one I own in my um, in my personal account. I, I do like it. Um, still scores quite high. Um, it's a little bit higher scoring than Walmart. Uh, so I, I guess I would tilt 
tilt myself towards Target. You're right, those toy makers were, have done really nicely. Uh, Mattel, uh, even better than Hasbro. Mattel was a, a really, really nice win. Um, I think that as we get closer to the holidays, you are going to start to see separate uh, winners from losers. Um, I, I wouldn't go down and, and take the risk of buying, say, a Macy's. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think something like a Target is not a bad idea. I think Walmart is, is fine. Um, I would actually, though, focus your attention on Costco, which is the highest of the discount stores uh, in, our, in our research right now. And, you know, Costco has been a, a monster stock. It's certainly uh, a name everybody, you know, is familiar with, especially if you invest in, in retail stocks. And it's not cheap. I mean, it's, it's bumping up against its, its highs yet again after uh, retreating last week. Um, but I think there's a reason for it. You know, I mean, you, you've got a company that's, that executes, has a history of executing extremely well, that is only now in the really early innings of its digital transformation. And I think that that's the big story with Costco right now. Um, they were a little slow relative to, say, a Walmart um, to embrace uh, e-commerce. But the you know, revenue has is, is really been, it's been a much bigger contributor uh, over the course of the last 12 months. And of course, accelerated because of COVID. So of, of all of those big retailers, I would say, okay, I kind of would be looking for an entrance into Costco. Like maybe if we get down 3%, down 5% on the individual stock, maybe maybe that gives you an entrance day on it, um, then maybe Target, and then maybe, you know, Walmart. Yep. So I'm going to put you on the spot here, just playing playing devil's advocate a little bit. So, you know, Costco's, Costco's a wholesale club. We know that. But Walmart has its own wholesale club. Walmart has Sam's Club. So why why Costco over Walmart, I guess, is is the question. And the other thing is, like, Walmart, I, I know, has done a really a tremendous job. I don't know if pivoting is the right word, but adapting in in the pandemic with their online ordering infrastructure. So from from a I guess a consumer perspective, like you're you're hearing a lot more about what Walmart's been doing rather than Costco. Yeah. Well one of the things I think that we always have to remember is that stocks do follow earnings over time. So typically speaking, the companies that are generating out the greatest revenue growth with the strongest margins with the best DPS growth will be your better returners. And that's why we lean Costco or Target versus Walmart, because frankly, they've got you know, the potential for greater, they're, they're growing their top line faster than, than Walmart, Costco is. And they also are growing, expected to grow their bottom line faster than Walmart is. So that would be, that would be the, the, the quick and dirty explanation of why I would I would favor those that over over say a Walmart and again Walmart's not a bad scoring stock I certainly would, I wouldn't be selling it um, right. but maybe I'd be holding it if I was saying okay I only have room for one big big one in my portfolio um, I think I would probably wait and see if I could get Costco first yep. and then go from there right maybe try to catch Costco on a on a down day because as we as you've as we've established the price is pretty high right now yeah, and that's what I, I, oftentimes, Joe, that's what I'm doing. You know, I'm looking through our, our research. I'm finding those high-scoring stocks that, that resonate with me. I'm coming up with my thesis, what the catalyst could be for it. I'm doing my due diligence, looking at the revenue growth, the operating margins, the earnings per share growth, checking out some of the other factors in our model, making sure everything dovetails with me so that I have, have it cleared in my head. This is a stock that I can go out and I can buy and feel good about holding on to. Uh, and then I watch for an entry point. You know, it, it's different if we're talking, if, if we're having this conversation last week, 
because we were selling off, the market was down, everything was on sale. Yeah, just go out and hit the bid, buy, buy the stock. Um, now we've had a nice rally off of it. Maybe let it digest a little bit, see if you get a little better of, of an entry point. Yep, yeah, I, I completely agree. Good advice. So let's pivot a little bit. The other one I wanted to cover this week because it's been a huge mover earlier in the week and has started to rebound is Solar Edge. The symbol is S-E-D-G. So I know it's relatively high scoring in our in our model, um, but I think it would it would be it would be good to to address it at the very least, uh, and maybe put a little bit of a little bit of context behind the movement that it's been having this this week, which has been utterly crazy. Yeah, and you know, for for listeners again, I'm swapping over to share my screen. Uh, YouTube, you can follow along with us. Um, and you can see Solar Edge has been a crazy ride in Solar Edge since March 67 to over 300, pulling back to about 200 and bouncing back up again. I, I do own shares. Um, I do not plan to sell them. I did not sell them. Um, I actually bought a little bit more on the draw. Um, that being said, I actually, in our research, there's a, the highest, and Solar, by the way, is a strong scoring group for us in the research, and it has been for weeks, which is uh, important to know. Um, and I think obviously, even though you do have gridlock, it is a more favorable administration that is coming in. Uh, so you definitely could see some tailwinds coming back towards that basket of stocks. Definitely. Uh, but one of the stocks that I wanted to mention today, Joe, was Sonova Energy. And they're, you know, one of those residential solar plays. And just now breaking out, one of the highest scoring stocks in our universe, not just in solar. So again, this is a stock where um, you have to pay up for it to own it. Uh, so maybe you wanna wait and see if we can get a down day, maybe buy it closer to the, the 32 or, or, or you know, area somewhere in there. Uh, but this is a stock you might wanna put, put on your list instead of Solar Edge if you, if you didn't have Solar Edge yet. Or because Solar Edge is high scoring um, and it is coming off of its low, I'm fine with you going out and and taking a shot on Solar Edge as well. Um, I think that you know you've got a little bit of a gap to fill. There's some technical stuff going on here that you're going to want to keep an eye on, but not a bad entrance in a stock that's been on sale. Yep. And for for those who might not know, uh, Solar Edge and Sonova are they do they basically do the same thing, or are they do they kind of provide different products and services? They provide different. No, so Nova is going to be do more more in that that residential. We're doing the installs and and making our money from from that part of the market. Where Solar Edge is actually making um, the inverters that are used in those systems. So you know they're they're kissing cousins, if you will, theoretically. Yep. If if residential is doing better. Um, Solar Edge could be doing better, but also commercial is going to have a big impact in that as well. Um, you know, basically, if you're having more solar installed, which I think is your long-term thesis, it's my long-term thesis for owning Solar Edge. If you believe that over the next 10 to 20 years, you're going to have more more solar um, power uh, than less, then yeah, owning some of these companies that like Solar Edge uh, would tend to make some sense. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And I would even say in the next five years or so, you know, with, I guess we can kind of project now the incoming uh, presidential administration, there's probably going to be, there's, or I should say, there's almost definitely going to be 
some some favorable subsidies, rebates, whatnot for both solar companies and for um, for homeowners looking to install install solar in their homes. So I would not I would not be surprised if you know you see your neighbor across the street or down the road putting up some solar panels in the next five years or so. Also, the price is just plummeting. And yeah, they're get, the technology is getting better, right? Uh, the price is coming down uh, because more people have been installing them. And I would say that a headwind, meaning the, the, the prior administration, if it does, if everything shakes out the way it does as of uh, 1130 filming on, right. on, you know, I mean, if it shakes out the way that it looks like it may shake out, then I, you could argue that they have some, some tailwinds for the basket. And, and like you said, you know, if, the, if that results in rebates and stuff, that would be bullish for the, for the group. Absolutely. All right. We're going rapid fire here today. So next up, one that I wanted to cover that we actually have not covered since we started recording this this podcast is Teladoc. TDoc is the symbol. Um, probably one of the most kind of like prominent um, pandemic stocks, you might say, that seemed poised to really succeed from all of this. Uh, I know we talked, I think it was last week, about Lavongo and that merger that seems to be coming. Um, yeah, it's, it's complete. It's done now. Oh, it is. Yep. Okay. Yep. I so, haven't, my bad. <laughs> yep. So Lavongo, Lavongo is now part of Teladoc. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's interesting. This is an interesting. I'm actually glad that you brought this one up, Joe, because it's interesting. You're right. It's a high flyer. Again, full disclosure, I am long the stock, been long it for a while now, have no plans to sell it one way or the other. But that being said, um, you know, it doesn't score very well in the research right now. Uh, it's kind of in a holding pattern uh, score-wise, uh, not something that I would necessarily go out and um, be clamoring to buy more of. And I, th- I think that, you know, the, Joe, the argument there might be that you could, you could say, okay, well, you know, maybe the institution, everybody owns it. Everybody knows the story, um, you know, and, and what's left to be the catalyst. Then you've got the overhang of integrations aren't necessarily easy. Um, there, there is some uncertainty on how that integration with Lavongo is going to work out. Will they be able to get the synergies that they hope? Will they have the cross-selling opportunities that they hope? I own both. I own Lavongo and Teladoc. Uh, so now I own a lot of Teladoc. I'm not reducing my exposure to Teladoc. But I just think that there are other higher scoring stocks in the basket that I would focus on. And then I would let Teladoc prove itself a little bit here. And then once Teladoc's score starts to improve, Joe, then you can go out and take it. But for yep. right now, I'm fine with just sort of letting it sit and maybe focusing on a different idea. And one of the ideas that's on my radar right now, and I don't, I don't own shares of it yet, but I am watching it closely, is this Freesia. Uh, in the symbol there for people who aren't on YouTube and are listening to the podcast, Peter uh, Hank Reagan. So P-H-R. And the company there is, again is Freesia. And what Freesia does, Joe, is they help uh, to streamline the whole patient relationship with the provider. So let's say that, you know, you need to go into your doctor's office. Well, you could go in and rather than standing in line to wait to talk to whoever's at the counter, you could either log on to your phone through the Freesia's app, or you would just pick up one of their Freesia tablets at the entrance and go ahead and check yourself in. You know, and it walks you right through the list of all the questions that you're, you would normally get asked. You just do it all digitally. Um, so it manages that part of the admittance. It, it, it ties in with the electronic health record players like Epic and Cerner and everything. So you can, that's all a unified experience for the provider. And um, they also um, uh, handle billing. 
in, in transactions for those providers. So, you know, that's a stock that I'm actually taking a really good solid look at. Um, I, I think that that's a, that's a good opportunity. The total addressable market from providers is pretty big. It's about nine yep. billion, and this is a company that on a trailing twelve months. I mean, well, you, if you analyze last quarter, you're talking only about one hundred and forty million in revenue. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of potential and running room there. Uh, so that's one that maybe I would. I, it's a higher scoring stock than Teladoc in our research, and maybe that's one that I would be more focused on putting to my watch list. Yeah, one of the things I would point out, I forget where I where I heard this or if it was just kind of in conversation in the past week or so, but I know that a lot of people are like starting to think about kind of telemedicine in the long run. And I know that there are a lot of people out there who are kind of concerned about like quality quality of care, you know, similarly to like um to uh school education on on zoom you know it's there's there's still like you can you can get almost everything but there's still something missing and i that's definitely definitely the case with with healthcare um i think it definitely it translates across you know education healthcare even like corporate meeting settings um and so like personally i i feel the same way you know and i think that i think that it's it bears caution on the part of teladoc because you know we've seen the rise right and yeah so, and it used to be that teladoc was the only game in town for investors right you know, but now you can trade amwell as well and i think i read recently that another one's coming to, to you know planning an ipo uh soon so i mean it's not like teledoc's the only one you can invest in so now you're spreading it around a little bit investors are spreading around a little bit and i think you're right i mean okay so i you know i have some pretty severe back pain i've been dealing with the last week or so so you know am i really gonna go i did i went physically to my doctor I, you know i'm not what am i gonna you know i'm gonna talk to my on a virtual and say yeah i have back pain i mean yeah. he's actually do an exam and make sure, and then I have to go. I had to go get X-rays and stuff. I mean, so there are certain things that it lends itself very well to sniffles, you know, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, but there are other things that maybe it doesn't lend itself well to, and that's that's where we have to find out from here. You know, I think that's a huge opportunity, and I think that this is a way for the future. It's established itself as accelerated a lot. I love it. I still own it. I'm long it. Uh, I just right now I, I'm just kind of in a wait and see mode on it. Yeah, I I'm with you there. So pivoting once more. Uh, we're just just giving you all sorts of curveballs today. We're gonna switch over to automotive, and one one stock that's been uh, pretty high scoring in our reports over the past few weeks is GM. And I I look at that and I think not necessarily why GM, but it's more why now. People are getting kind of surprised by GM, right? Because it's right. all been Tesla, 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 right? <laughs> and I mean, it's sneakily, these auto, other automakers, GM and Ford, actually, GM and Ford both score higher in our research right now than Tesla does. And so does Daimler. Uh, but GM is the, is the highest scoring of those auto manufacturers. I mean, you can see here, Joe, too. I mean, you know, one of the components of the research model is money flow. We're talking about price direction and volume. And you see these volume spikes on these up days compared to the down days volume. I mean, it's, it seems like most of the people who wanted to get out of General Motors are out of General Motors. Yeah. And we're starting to see the, the tide shift. You know, you had, I think, a catalyst there was kind of Nikola's disaster. 
Right. Because it made people go, oh, well, maybe General Motors is going to get even more favorable terms if they do try to restructure their partnership with that. Or maybe they go it alone and they don't even have to share. Who knows, right? Or maybe the market isn't going to be as spread out, including a nickel and General Motors gets more of it because, you know, it's got the hum. Uh, the, the Hummer EV coming out and some other things. You know, so there could be, it may have just been that the, you just needed a little bit of a push in a catalyst and that's what we kind of got and it started to, to get people interested in the stock again. But one of the things interesting about this is look at the earnings, expected earnings acceleration from 2020 to 2021, Joe. 280 per share to 482. That's remarkable. And again, remember the market is always gonna do those year over year comparisons. So you've got 2020 being this baseline year that's pretty bad. So now you have really easy comparisons. And remember, analysts are usually late. They're late to downgrade and they're late to upgrade. So what ends up happening is that their expectations for future earnings are usually depressed. They're too low. So companies have an easy, and we're seeing that this earnings cycle, Joe, we're seeing way more companies coming out and beating than missing on the EPS. And I think that that's going to continue through to 2021. And then of course you've got that tailwind, Joe, of you know, people moving out of urban centers uh, that accelerate, you know, started to accelerate after COVID in, in the spring. <clears throat> and as they do that, the need for them to buy vehicles. Right. So maybe you were sharing a vehicle living in downtown Boston or New York City or whatever, but now you're out in the suburbs and you want a second vehicle. Yep. That's certainly certainly a great point. And, you know, it's, it's a little, it's a little surprising somewhat, but you know, on when you, when you dig down, it definitely makes sense. You're, I see, uh, you, you, know, I see you pulling up some auto parts <laughs> stores here next. I am auto parts stores. I would also be looking at winter time. Interesting. We talk about seasonality on the show every once in a while, Joe, because it is a component of the model. Yep. One of the things that uh, a lot of people forget is that winter is very hard on vehicles. And oftentimes that causes them to break down. So some of the busiest time of the year for auto parts stores is uh, that winter time period. So, you know, take a look at some of those auto parts stores. They, the industry overall scores well in our research. And then take a look at some of the auto uh, parts suppliers as well, like Dana Incorporated, which is a solid scoring stock in our research. So there's, there's plenty of those that you can, within that basket in the research every week, you can punch up. But that just gives you an idea. If you're less interested in the automakers, you might want to take a look at, the, at something like the, auto, the retail stores. And if you're less interested in the retail stores, then maybe take a look at the parts players. Yeah, great way, great way to wrap up. You got any, any final parting thoughts for us before we wrap up this week? I do, I do. One of the things that I think is important is to um, encourage everybody to welcome opposing viewpoints into their investment analysis. And, and I guess the, the takeaway, the thing I wanna leave with today is just be okay with seeing someone post something on Twitter that doesn't jive with your cattle or your thesis of why you're long the stock. Oftentimes what you find is if you welcome that information into your, into your approach, you're going to make your, it's going to strengthen your, your argument because you're going to spot blind spots. You're going to find these blind spots that otherwise you may not have found. So don't just surround yourself in a bubble of people who agree and are bullish on a particular stock or particular basket, but actually welcome in a lot of different viewpoints and then, you know, come to your own decision based upon that homework and the research that you do following those. All right. Very wise words, as always. Great way to wrap up. 
All right. So with that, we'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening.